think they should adapt next? Muppets, Power Rangers. I'd watch that. If they're going to just take a property like that, I'd rather be Avengers, maybe. I want to see um, Muppet Macbeth. I think they'd be oh. good at that. Because Macbeth would be Kermie. Kermie. I still call him Kermie because I'm a big Muppet Babies fan. You're a Muppet Baby. <laughs> and Miss Piggy would be a good Lady Macbeth because she's like driving him to do it. Mm-hmm. And then Gonzo's Banquo. I think Macbeth might work better than Muppvengers. I think it would. Or a Muppet uh, House on Haunted Hill. But like the book, not the Netflix show. Because the Netflix show is, I don't know why they would call it House on Haunted Hill. But it's just a group of strangers who are like put in a haunted house together. Oh, Muppet and babies. I think the world is already demanding a Muppet Great Gatsby. Are they? I think so. Isn't that a thing? Like, isn't there a petition? Is there? I don't know. There should be. Oh, but we're not talking about any of that, as distracted as I am. We are going to be talking about the Muppet Christmas Carol, because welcome to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. My name is Indy Bahumba Grandawa, <laughs> and with me is Samantha Roast Goose Hees. I'm a roast goose? No, you just love roast goose. I don't think I've ever had goose. Well, your favorite meal is like a turkey dinner, and I think in this movie slash book they get a goose, so I thought it'd be close. Oh, okay, yeah, no, that works. But welcome to another episode, and as always, we are brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. And this episode is sponsored in part by the Edmonton Community Foundation, and the ECF acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come, just like the ghosts convinced Ebenezer Scrooge to do. True. And you can start an endowment fund by yourself or with a group, and you don't need piles and piles of gold like Scrooge McDuck. But you will be visited by three ghosts. No, that's optional. Oh, you can put that into the contract? Yes. Nice. Uh, But once your endowment fund reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. And if you want to find out more, you can go to ecfoundation.org. That's the Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. I think I would choose to be visited by the ghosts. You say that, but once you get one ghost visiting you, you would be like, no, I've changed my mind. (laughs) I am a scaredy cat. Would you go for ghosts? Yes, actually, I would. If that were an option, because then I'd have definitive proof of the afterlife, and that would change everything about how I live my life. Oh. If there's an afterlife? Oh. And I was sure that's like, I don't understand how people who, because there's people who believe in like a literal devil as like a figure that walks around. Yeah. If you literally believed there is an, a physical devil out there making people do bad stuff, I would never leave my house. That sounds terrifying. That is terrifying. That's scary to think about that you could just like run into the devil anytime. Like I'm scared of going out late on like Friday and Saturday because of drunk drivers. Mm-hmm. If I thought there was a devil out there that was trying to get me being a good-hearted person like people who believe in the devil think they are. Yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't get anything done. They're like, "Oh, did you finish your laundry today?" It's like, "No, I was worried about the fucking devil." <laughs> yeah. I How have dare things, you? Yeah, I have things to do. How dare you question me? Hey, do you want to go for dinner? It's like, no, there's devils out there. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. He's going to get us. But anyways, I don't know why <laughs> okay, we're talking yeah. about that. 
What we are talking about today is the 1992 film The Muppet Christmas Carol. It's a movie that I really liked, but Samantha had never seen in its entirety. And she's going to tell us what she thought and yawn her way through this episode. So, Samantha, what are your first impressions on The Muppet Christmas Carol? So, I thought this was going to be fun in advance. I kind of thought, you know, I know kind of what Muppets are, so I kind of know what this is going to be. I was very impressed by how well they did this and still managed to keep all the Muppets Muppety. Yeah, so you don't have much Muppet experience. I do not. Did you ever watch the shows or have you seen any of the other movies? I haven't seen any of the other movies, but I think I watched the show just kind of when it was on TV. So I didn't grow up hugely on Muppets. The Muppet show itself was something that I would watch, but I felt the humor was too adult for me when I was a kid or I'd get bored in certain parts. So I wasn't a huge fan. Murder. Maybe that was it. (laughs) But as I've gotten older, I appreciate it more because I watched Christmas Carol quite a few years ago and thought like, oh, this is quite good. And then I started watching more. And uh, my friend Sean did this presentation on the Muppets because we have a cool job and we get to do things like that (laughs) sometimes. Yeah, your job always sounds so much better than my job. And he did this presentation that I got to watch that he was doing for in a senior center And, like, I almost cried listening to it because it was so good. And there's just so much to the Muppets and Jim Henson and just their outlook on life that I really appreciate. And that made me go revisit stuff some more. And everything I've watched, I've really enjoyed. I even liked that later series just called Muppets. might have been called The Muppets, but it was kind of like an office 30 Rock style thing. Oh, interesting. And that's the one that everyone hates. And I even like that. And, of course, I liked the other ones as well. So... I think I'm a big Muppet fan. I think their humor and just general outlook aligns with me quite a bit. I'm going to get your shirt that says Big Muppet Guy. No, because then people just think I am a Muppet, which I am not, sadly. Do you know what Muppet means? No. It's because they're half mop, half puppet. Half mop? Yeah, they're made out of mops. What? No, that's I don't know. That's not true. <laughs> Ask Sean. He'll actually tell you because I was in the presentation. I just forgot. Sean, Sorry, Sean, can you send me an email? <laughs> Let me know. Can I? Can you just send me your your presentation? Oh, I actually have it. I, you know what? I should have just looked it up. I would have so many fun facts. But uh, that's not what we do here. We don't do research. No fun facts. Although, let's talk about some fun facts about uh, Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol. Okay, I'm ready. So this was the first Muppet thing done without Jim Henson. Oh, the first movie without him. Because he died. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was about like seven years between movies because they did uh, Muppets Take Manhattan before this and there was quite a bit of time off. Then Jim Henson died. So this is the first movie where someone else was doing the voice. That's sad though. It is very sad, but the guy nailed it. Yeah, he did actually. You can't tell. I wish I remembered his name. Uh, You guys out there can look it up. But he was super nervous to take over such a like iconic role from from Jim Henson, the creator of all the Muppets. Steve Whitmire. He also did a bunch of other voices. He's very good. Yeah, he's Rizzo Beaker and Bean Bunny. Probably the ones that Jim Henson did. I think a lot of Jim Henson's roles got divided to other people. But he was so nervous to do this. And then the night before they actually started recording... He had a dream where he was visited by Jim Henson's ghost who said, you're fine, 
relax, <laughs> you can do it. And then he woke up and he's like, you know what, I can do it. That's a good ghost to be visited by. So he was visited by a ghost the night oh before. Oh my goodness! And this is also Brian Henson, who is Jim Henson's son. This is his directorial debut. Oh, that's cool that Brian Henson kind of inherited the Muppets from his dad. Yeah. That's neat. It's a fun family business. Yeah. Could you imagine being born into that? We're like, this will all be yours one day. He's like, could you imagine not being into it, though? Yeah. Being like, Dad, I want to be a dentist. I don't want to play with fucking puppets all day. Should I go play football and hang out with my friends? I don't, I don't want to play do with voices. I don't want to do Muppets. <laughs> yeah, like you might just not be someone who does voices. I don't really I do don't voices. I don't do voices. Yeah. Or I try. accents. You know what? This month I actually became a professional puppeteer because I did get paid to do a movie with puppets. Which whenever this is on, if you're in Edmonton and on a Saturday you go downtown there's a uh, festival called Light Up Edmonton going on, and mm. there's a video that plays in part of it where there's a sassy penguin named Waddles. I play the penguin. I'm the puppeteer in voice. So there you go. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> go check it out. You're like famous now. Well, Waddles is famous. I mean, Waddles was famous yeah. always. Waddles also is Instagram famous, so you can check that out. But uh, back to this movie, or <laughs> to start with this movie, 15 minutes in. So when it opens up, I love that the credits are Kermit the Frog as Bob Cratchit. It's not who's playing Kermit. Yeah. And that's something they really carry through because I feel like every Christmas Carol character that is played by a Muppet, you get just as much Muppet as you do the Christmas Carol character. Right. Yeah. And that's what I said. Like, that's one thing that I love because they, it's like, it's kind of a serious story. Like, it's mm. not a super, like, lighthearted, fun story. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. They, they kept it Muppety without making it really kitschy or, like, silly. Yeah. They walk a fine line, and Muppets are, are very good at doing that, I think. Mm-hmm. And the performances by the voice actors, by, like, someone like Frank Oz to do someone playing someone, Mm -hmm. that's hard to do because you're combining these two characters and you're taking parts of both and you're not just saying like, well, what would Bob Cratchit do now? You're saying, what would Kermit the Frog think Bob Cratchit would do now? Is that meta? Is that what meta is? Well, this movie is very meta. (laughs) We'll we'll get into that. Okay, Uh, perfect. It is very meta-textual. But I, I really appreciate the the work that voice actors are doing because I think we think of someone who's doing a voice of a cartoon or something as like, oh, that's not like the most yeah. difficult thing to do. But I think they're doing very good work because there are serious moments in this where I feel bad or it elicits a lot of emotion from a puppet. Yeah. And that's not something easy to do. Yeah, they uh, they do a good job of that. And then the opening shot... We get to see this flyover of London, and I love that, too, because it's clearly, like, actually all built, but it's, I'm guessing, miniatures of some sort, Mm -hmm. and that looks great, and then the sets look, they're clearly soundstage-y, but I love how they look. I think it's appropriate for the movie. I think they worked really well, and they looked like something you'd see in, like, a play of The Christmas Carol. Yeah. Like, it was very true to life, but you also, like, know that puppets don't usually talk, so there is, like, a little bit of... I only see puppets talk. 
Oh, you mean like by themselves? Okay, sure. sure, sure. <laughs> I was gonna Deal say, what me? kind of puppet plays are you seeing, <laughs> where they just come out and look at each other? Um. So I feel like that lends itself to you being able to kind of suspend the realness of some of these sets because they do, like you said, look sound stagey. But I think that because you're not like, oh, puppets are real and they're always talking then you can kind of say like, okay, I understand that this is just like soundstage. Yeah, if this was a full live action movie with this set, maybe I'd be critical of it. Yeah, it would be kind of hokey. for this movie, I think it's brilliant. And they do this thing where they play with perspective. When there's streets, the houses are actually built smaller as they get further back. Oh. So it gives you the impression this is real long street. Right. But it's really just done by perspective. Oh, that's neat. It is. And I love as the movie goes on, like when we get to see the future, the sets take on like a German expressionist look and everything. The angles are all crazy yeah. and it's this and the terrible hellscape. And, yeah. yeah. Along those lines, the costuming in this is fantastic, including the detail work on the Muppets. Yeah. It's all period appropriate and it's accurate stuff. Yeah. So much so that... Like, if you look at the sleeves of Miss Piggy, she's always depicted as being kind of like 10 years out of fashion from what the people that, uh, the the wealthy people are wearing because she's poor, but they're still all clean and like they're trying to do their best, but their clothing is all clearly dated. Right. If for all of those uh, people who are really into clothing of the 1800s. (laughs) good decade and even when they have the flashback the clothing styles change and are appropriate for that yeah yeah that was very cool like very detailed costumes and i love how small some of those detailed costumes are like on the bookkeeper guys they all had little coats and like little mice yeah, yeah and little scarves and stuff and they're very cute so rats can talk mm-hmm. frogs can talk yes Penguins can like Click? dance and understand English, but they just kind of like squawk. Mm-hmm. But then chicken muppets are just straight up like chickens. Oh, I didn't realize that, but yeah, there's this whole like spectrum of what of animal intelligence mm-hmm. in this that I don't quite understand. But maybe it's best not to. <laughs> and like lobsters are in windows. That's actually a a, a reference to this line, which I now forget. It's from it's from a Christmas Carol. Like this is clearly not the line, but it's something like Scrooge was as lonely as a lobster in an apartment building, or something like that. So then, when you go up, you see these lobsters up there. Oh, that's fun. There's a lot of things that are made real that are kind of homages to lines from a Christmas Carol. Oh, cool! You'd probably have to know Christmas Carol pretty well in order to catch most of them, though. Are you a fan of the Christmas Carol? Um, a uh, Christmas Carol. I like it. I have sat through the play once. Oh, right. And uh, I don't know. It's it's a fun Christmas time story where someone gets real haunted. And so many of our Christmas traditions come from this book mm-hmm. because it was kind of like the Christmas thing for a lot of years. We didn't have so many. There was no uh, Home Alone for quite a while. There's a big gap (laughs) between A Christmas Carol and Grinch, right? So (laughs) A Christmas Carol was the piece of Christmas media for a very long time. So, so many of our traditions actually come from this. Oh, that's nice, though. It's very, 
um, relatable is the wrong word, but it's very like nice to be able to come back to this because like everybody knows the Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. or most people know the Christmas Carol, and so it's it is kind of a fun holiday tradition. And like everyone, like I don't know it word for word, but I know that like oh this like bad dude gets visited by three ghosts and it scares him and then he becomes nice which when you talk about the plot does not seem like a christmasy movie at all but i believe the phrase merry christmas comes from the book really i think so because in england happy christmas is usually what you'd say right i think if it didn't originate here it definitely popularized it you're just full of facts and I didn't even have to look up Sean's presentation for that. I can't wait for part two when you tell me all these facts. <laughs> so we get Michael Caine, or Michael Caine, as Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh-huh. And he's great. We'll probably get more into him. But let's talk uh, through the plot. Okay. So let's go to the first ghost. Because the first ghost is always portrayed quite differently in every adaptation yeah because the way it's described in the book you can't do i can't remember how it's described in the book it says the figure itself fluctuated in its distinctness being now a thing with one arm now with one leg Mm. now with 20 legs now a pair of legs without a head now a head without a body okay so it's always moving and changing and it's kind of unknowable and uncanny so you can't really do that. So what they did is they went with a kind of floating ghost baby, I guess is the best way to... Yeah, like creepy ghost child. And sparkly. Mm-hmm. And they did that by doing the Muppet underwater. Oh. And that's how they got it to be all floaty like that. Cool. Yeah. How'd you like that one? Um, I found it a little strange. Um, But like, also, I can forgive it because it has to be a Muppet. Or, like, a puppet of some sort. Right. So, I mean, your choices are a little bit more limited when you have something that cute. Yeah, and I think strange works because yeah. it's supposed to be as well. Yeah. So, I think I liked it, but it was a little weird and I kind of had to get used to it. Right. Like, it was just, it was, like, not what I imagined when I imagined that ghost. Is it your least favorite depiction of the three ghosts? I think so. Me too, maybe. I still appreciate it, but yeah, I like the other two more. Maybe. Yeah, I can appreciate it, but it just didn't really like work for me and the way that, like I said, everyone kind of has some version of the story in their heads, so it doesn't really work with how I'm envisioning it. Do you envision Jiminy Cricket? No. Who's Jiminy Cricket? Who's Jiminy Cricket? Oh! You're like Miss Disney. From Disney. Okay, yeah. sorry. I thought it was a Muppet, and then I was very confused, and... Because only thinking about Muppets. Yes, I know who Jiminy Cricket is. I think he's the ghost of Christmas past in one of them, isn't he? Oh, I don't know. Isn't he the one in the Mickey one? Mickey Christmas Carol? Yeah. I didn't know there was a Mickey Christmas Carol. I'm sure you do. And I'm most sure you do because we watched it together within the last three days. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Remember there's the giant one and then that... Bad dog is the last one. <laughs> Bad dog. And I commented, like, uh, yeah, we watched it, and I was talking about how I didn't like that they showed his face at the end. It would be better if you couldn't see, like they do in this movie. Yes. But anyways, you're looking up Mickey. I'm going to move on with this. Perfect. Because I like this section a lot, because in other versions, 
the ghost of Christmas past is always like my least favorite mm-hmm. part. But here it seems very important. And I think a lot of that is due to the performance of Michael Caine, who I think is just fantastic. Yeah. Um, we get to see the basis of the character, which I think is omitted in most other adaptations and i it's been a while since i've read the book so i don't know how much of that is in there right but here we get to see like he hates christmas because he always had a terrible christmas right he was always a kid who was sent to boarding school and then his family didn't that is in the book that his family wasn't there for for christmas because of some weird marriage thing that he was shipped off but you get to see some reason to his bahumburgery Bahumbuggery? Bahumbuggery. Oh no, buggery. Yeah, that's different. (laughs) When we see him as Michael Caine see his young self, that's the first inkling of his desire to change because we get to see regret. Mm -hmm. And it's a different thing if there's a bad guy and he's bad and he's like, oh yeah, that was bad, good. I'm, I'm happy about it. That's who I am. But quite early on, we get to see that he has a lot of regret about his past mm-hmm. and, and who he's become because of it. So it makes his change at the end a little more grounded. And it's something I could understand more than if it's just uh, at the end, he's like, okay, now I'm good. Yeah, he I just saw... like snaps out yeah. of it. I always thought that was kind of weird, too, that he just like all of a sudden was just like, oh, OK, yeah, no, I'm going to stop being like that. And I think. As like a, a script, so this we can attribute it this to more Dickens than the Muppets, but I think it's great place to start by going to the past, and not just because like of course it makes sense you go past, present, future, but to go to the past because in the present he definitely wouldn't care about the people that are there. He doesn't have the basis, and by going to the past, it's linking it to himself. And then he gets to see the person he's become. So when you go to the present, then he has is more more willing to be sympathetic to the plight of the poor people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the quick switch that happens in other versions never really made sense to me, and so I I like that they give him this little bit of um, like backstory, and you can kind of see that he was good once. But it's not like he was good. No, but then. I mean, like, he, he wasn't just, always... You could see the reason of why he became yes. who he is a little more. And I like when they're talking, he says, like, oh, please, Spirit, do not show me that Christmas. Because he knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it hints at the root of who he is. And I like that it's not some, like, big event. Like, this happened, and that's why he's a bad person. Which we get in most origin stories. That happens a lot. And it was like an lazy. explosion and his parents were killed and he was never good again. There you like, go. Yeah. So it's not some big event, but he was always like kind of a dick. Yeah. But it just snowballed, which is probably more realistic mm-hmm. for how people actually, terrible people become terrible people. Yeah. They're like kind of a dick and then it's just one thing on top of another and it makes them a Scrooge eventually. Mm-hmm. And Scrooge has really become a like nickname for bad yeah and bottom bag for like grumpy people i feel scrooge is not used nearly enough these days because we there's a bunch of like real famous scrooges and we just like are fine with it (laughs) um who's a who's a famous scrooge steve jobs okay yeah big scrooge refused to give money to charity or even his own children 
Yeah. He denied child support payments even though he's a billionaire. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I feel like pretty much every billionaire is a Scrooge. You don't, you can't become a billionaire without right, being a Scrooge. Right, because you'd be giving away all your money and like... Elon Musk, big old Scrooge. Scrooge. I don't like how people love him just because he's like a fun billionaire. He's also a piece of shit. Yeah. He's like, we coo who we want to coo and like is proud that the U.S. performs like unsanctioned coups so he could get cheaper lithium. Right. I forgot about that. And just the other day he was like, Talking about like, oh, Bernie Sanders, you're still alive. You should be dead by now. When Bernie Sanders said like, hey, maybe we should tax the ultra wealthy. Yeah. What a Scrooge that guy is. What a Scrooge. Uh, But then we get into the present. How did you like the ghost of Christmas present? Oh, uh, this was one of my favorite ones. Know me better, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I thought he was kind of fun. And that they were all different sizes. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's like big and jolly and like happy. Very Santa-like. Very Santa-like, yeah. That's Which I think is intentional and in the book that he's kind of a, a Father Christmas right. type guy. And in this one, I liked that he aged drastically throughout the night. Mm-hmm. Because he's the ghost of Christmas present, he only lives that one night. Right. And I also didn't really catch on, but I think all of that know me better man stuff is like, yeah, come with me and you will know me better by like, meaning you will know Christmas present. Yeah. Which I didn't really catch before. Yeah, I liked that one. He was kind of fun and jolly and... And he was some, I'd like to go with that ghost. Yeah. Because he seemed like a party ghost. Yeah, he did. And I think in the Mickey one, he's like drunk on wine, isn't he? He's a giant in sandals and bathrobe. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) In this sequence, I loved when they go to, oh, what's his nephew's name? Anyway, he goes to his nephew's house. And when they're playing the game and they say like, oh, what's unwanted around Christmas? And the answer is Uncle Scrooge. Yeah. He is so hurt by that. Yeah. And again, Michael Caine just killing it. He was so good and so believable in this role. It almost seemed like he was like Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. Like that's just what he's like all the time. His... Big mean parts were fine. Mm-hmm. I don't think there definitely wasn't anything wrong there, but he, he didn't set himself apart from all of the other people who played Scrooge. Yeah. But what he brought to it was a vulnerability that I hadn't seen in this character, which makes me believe his turn in yeah. more so than other ones. And maybe it's better that he didn't really nail those mean, angry parts mm-hmm. because then it would be a further walk to turn. Yeah, I liked that he was a little bit more subtle with it. Because mm. some of them are like crazy, maniacal, crazy people. Right. And this was like more understated and he was just kind of a grumpy man. Yeah. Yeah, he was definitely like evil, but he had that vulnerability as soon as he starts getting into the ghost yeah. parts. Like you don't need to scream shout bah humbug every time it comes up in the script. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was just kind of like a colloquialism for him he was just like humbug and him being hurt by his nephew not wanting him Mm. there was unique to this version that's not in the book in the book he kind of like laughs it off and is like "Ah, who would want to be here anyway yeah he's like a dick about it so i like that change that they did to make him 
more sympathetic. His nephew Fred I could have done without. Oh, yeah? I like Fred. He didn't really seem to do anything for the story or, like, the general atmosphere. Oh, I like him because I think he works as a foil for Scrooge. Of course, Bob Cratchit is that, too. But Fred is also kind of a link to show that he's not just, like, Mm -hmm. a completely evil miser. He's pretty much that. But he does treat Fred, like, he treats him poorly. Yes. But he treats him like a human. And Fred still takes the time to always invite his uncle to these things. So it is like his last remaining link. So I feel like if he didn't have this, he would be too far gone for Mm -hmm. that, for the turn at the end. Right. So I think Fred is important. And and I actually like the character quite a bit. Yeah, I just didn't feel like he had enough to do. So my favorite ghost, I think, of the whole like story, just generally, when it's even when it's not Muppets, is the ghost of Christmas yet to come mm-hmm. or Christmas future, as I always think of it in my head. Yeah. Um, but I think I love always how this one is portrayed because it's creepy and it's scary and they don't speak. I love that they never show you what's under the hood mm-hmm. in this one because I've seen some versions where they pull it back and like, ah, it's a skull. Yeah. That's exactly what I would expect to be under there. I've There's also, nothing shocking about that. I've seen a version. I don't remember what version it was, but I remember seeing a version when I was younger that was like he pulled up or pulled back the hood and it was him. Oh, yes. I've seen as that like as an well. old man. Yeah. I don't remember what version it was, but I was like, that's an interesting way to do it. I like that. That's good. Because um, you're like showing yourself where you're going wrong, which kind of kind of makes sense. Yeah. And I like that they do it this way because the face is unwritten just as his future is it's not set it could be whatever yeah and it's tall and skinny and creepy and it's like it reminded me of what was that movie that had the guy with the hands pan's labyrinth pan's labyrinth it kind of reminded me of that creepy guy from that yeah because the proportions are all weird yeah and and the arms mm -hmm. are really like weird and he kind of moves not human she's doing a dance right now you can't tell but it was very non-human I, I just dance non-human all the time. This is why we need to live stream. I'm more See? and more into live stream because I feel like... You, you do a lot of gestures and examples with your body. And dancing. Yeah. And here the narrators leave who... Oh, we haven't talked about them. We'll talk about we'll them. We'll get there. Um, they both leave, which kind of increases the stakes. And they're the comedic relief. And I like that they make a choice of like, no, no comedic relief. Here. Yeah. We're this is like that. serious time. And it, it is really where the movie takes a turn because he starts to kind of be scared of the future. And he really, that's when he clicks and he starts to see his, like, the error of his ways. Yeah. How about that bit about Miss Piggy saying to her daughters, like, oh, he'll be home soon. He just walks a little slower these days yeah. without Tim. That was so sad. That whole scene was just, it was so good because I forgot that they had more kids. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, it's not just the parents. It's also like the siblings of Tiny Tim. Yeah. Yeah, that was a very sad scene. And Kermit has that speech about life is all meetings and departings. Yeah. And Tim has departed. (laughs) That was for a movie with a 
talking frog and pig having dinner in Dickensian England to make you feel that emotional. Yeah. That's, it's well done on so many levels. Yeah, for sure. And that's, like I said multiple times, that's the great thing about this movie is that it keeps it serious, but it's also Muppets. And then, of course, he changes, does the little fake out where he says, you think he's going to yell at him, but then he right. says... He's like, you didn't report to work this morning. <laughs> and, yeah. and then everyone's happy. The end. God bless us, everyone. 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 So the narrators yeah. are played by... Rizzo and Gonzo. Uh, oh, yeah, because Gonzo's Charles Dickens. Yeah. How did this uh, framing apparatus work for you? I liked it because it was puppets and it was easy to kind of break myself from the story because it's also familiar. I think if it was something that I didn't know and they were like narrating it to me, I think I would find it very hard to get back into the story then. Yeah. And I think because it is Muppets and it is going to have silliness to it Mm -hmm. by putting in these two they kind of take up all that s- mm-hmm. silliness and they keep it separate from from the story. Right. Because no one else is really getting all meta and breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. I think the rats do a little and Waldorf and Statler, who are uh, Jacob Marley, is now split to two people. We forgot right. to talk about that. But they do a little bit, but it wouldn't be nearly as effective if Kermit was making references to how that they are taking this from a book. Mm-hmm. Right. If he was breaking it, then it loses its stakes. Yeah. But by having this framing apparatus of people who are not in the story breaking that wall and doing all the silliness, the serious stuff still has that weight to it. True. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of a nice break for that because, yeah, you can get right back into that serious moment right after you've had a little little levity. And it's like a fun and easy way to refresh a story that people are already really familiar with. Mm-hmm. And also, of course, it makes it more accessible for a child audience who this is targeted at, True. even though we love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I forget that we're not technically the demographic for this. I think we kind of are now. I think... Because we were at the time. Yeah, because we grew up with it. Yeah, but we didn't watch it as kids. No, but it but was now around. so many Disney I guess and I especially mean... Muppet things are targeted at... Like childless couples in their thirties. That's because they know because that's, that's who's going to spend money that's at where Disney all the money these days. Is. <laughs> childless millennials. But I also think that like in, the inclusion of the narrator works because Dickens has so many great lines. I love the language of A Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. and those always get cut when you're adapting it for screen because you don't have a narrator. Like when they say uh, Scrooge liked the cold, he was hard and sharp as a flint secret and self-contained as solitary as an oyster like, that's good stuff <laughs> that's very good and i love having it said even if it's gonzo saying it it's still it's still great and i love when they talk about him loving the dark because it was cheap and free and, and dark and cold yeah. yeah i like being warm and i like having all the lights on oh and the marley's we Kind of skipped over them, but I like their song a lot. Yeah. We're barley and barley, avarice and greed. Took advantage of the poor, just ignored the needy. We specialized in causing pain, spreading fear and doubt. And if you could not pay the rent, we simply threw you 
won't. <laughs> and in the book, of course, it's just Jacob Marley. Right. But here they invented Robert Marley. Who I'm not sure if it's intentionally a play on Bob Marley. The only other famous Marley in the world, really. Oh my god, that's hilarious. I didn't think about that, but yeah, I hope so. And you know what they do a lot of in the background? Drugs. No. Oh. What? <laughs> First of all, I, I don't love the association that everyone always goes like, oh, Bob Marley, drugs, right? He was a religious man, and cannabis is a sacrament to the Rastafari, but we'll get into, we'll save that for when we do an episode on Bob Marley. Okay. But in the background, they're whaling. It's Bob Marley and the whalers. Oh. Those I, cashback boxes are whaling. I wouldn't have gotten that. We will absolutely do an episode on Bob Marley. I sure. Did you have a favorite song in this? I think I like the Marley and Marley song. That was fun. Yeah. I also really like the opening, the Scrooge song. Because it has my favorite line, no cheeses for us mises. <laughs> <laughs> Those mice are so cute. I love them. They are so cute. And the whole little team of accountants, bookkeeping staff, I don't know. But yeah, I loved all the tiny little characters because like we said earlier, it's the attention to detail on them is just incredible. I cut you off. Did you have another song that you liked? I don't think so. I think I like the opening song and the Marley and Marley song as my favorites. And I think the one, I'm not even sure the title. A cup of kindness that we share with another. A sweet reunion with a friend or a brother. In all the places you find love, it feels like Christmas. That one, I like that one a lot. That was fun. I liked all the big ensemble pieces. I think those three are the best. And there are, if I have a criticism, I guess not all the songs are great. Yeah. There's some that are like, oh, this one. There's one that's like everyone's favorite, and it's not good. Which one is that? The "When the Love Is Gone," the the deleted song. Oh, I didn't. I don't think that's everyone's favorite. It was deleted. But it's become like, where is it? I need to see it. Oh, I don't. I don't know all, as much like of the lore of about it. Now. Let's talk about that because I think it's not a great song, and. I get people wanting to cut it because it kind of slows things down, but I think its removal leaves a substantial gap in the movie because there was a lot of good emotional work that was in that song, and we get to see old Scrooge interacting with his young fiance, and that's kind of suggests that there that this memory has haunted him all the way up until present day because we get to see the Michael Caine version of Scrooge. Of course, he can't interact with her, mm-hmm. but he stands behind her and kind of harmonizes and he sings a little bit in that yeah, one too. He does. And he sings and he's almost crying at the same time. And again, great emotional work by by Caine. Not a great singer, but a great actor. Yeah, true. I think he's just so versatile. He can do anything. He could probably be a Muppet. <laughs> I'm sure he has that talent too. Were you aware of Michael Caine in the 60s when he had this like Playboy personality? And he's no, doing, like Elfie and stuff like that. I've only known him as like uh, this age. He did a lot of funny, like kind of sexy romp movies. Oh, yeah. like a nowadays Keanu Reeves. I don't know which Keanu Reeves movie you're thinking <laughs> is like that. I don't know. 
I was trying to think of somebody young and sexy. And... I was going to say um, early 2000s Jude Law. Oh, yeah. Okay. So much so that Jude Law, I think, made three movies where he played a character that Michael Caine had played in the 60s or 70s. Like Alfie. Like Alfie, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also Sleuth. Oh, I don't know. Sleuth is very underrated. It was a stage play, but they made a movie with... with oh, you know what? So Michael Caine <laughs> was in the play way back when. And then in, I want to say, the early 2000s, they made it as a movie with Jude Law in the Michael Caine role. But it's a young man and an old man, and it's kind of this weird battle of wits thing. And Michael Caine now is the old man in it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I own a copy of that, actually. I'm going to rewatch Sleuth. I'd forgotten <laughs> all about that. Wait, what were we talking about that was relevant? Muppets. Oh, the, the When the Love is Lost song. Yes, yeah. I don't know. It was kind of a terribly written song. It wasn't in the theatrical release, but apparently it was like so wanted, like people knew of it, that they uh, included it with the uh, like the soundtrack. It played during the credits. Um, on the soundtrack, there's actually three songs that aren't in the movie because oh. other ones weren't recorded in video right. on film at all. They'd just done the studio sound stuff earlier. What's the professor's name that's with Beaker? Honeydew, but I'd also heard Bunsen. Is it Bunsen? It's Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. Okay, so it's both. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> um, they had a song, and then there's, I think Sam the Eagle has a song or something. But it's people you wouldn't expect. But yeah. either way, those ones weren't even shot. The reason everybody wanted that song, though, was because they'd heard that it was shot, and then Disney lost the recording and the master to it. And it was later found, which is why it's now available on Disney+. Plus. I have a little small caveat to that. So it was reinstated for the vhs release uh -huh. so i had seen it at some point and then it was taken out for the dvd and on disney plus if you watch it now it's not included but it is included as a special feature because yes. brian henson is that his name the director yeah got it restored and he wanted it in the whole time so he got it back for the home video release but then the remastered film negative was then lost so yes. they couldn't remaster it for the high def and uh, dvd versions right. so most of those don't have it in it but they and... have found it now oh the negative yeah they found the negative oh i didn't know that yeah that's why it's it's back and able to be put up i thought it was just a lower quality and that's no, why it's not they... included in the movie they, they should just put it in the movie then. yeah they should because there is, like, a noticeable gap. There is. There was kind of a weird little spot. Suddenly they just start crying. You're like, why is Rizzo crying? Yeah. Um, yes, it was lost, and then they brought it back, but I guess they've never put it back in. Which they should, because there's totally a moment for it. Yeah, and then there's a reprise later on that calls back to it, because they have a song called When Love is Found. Yes. And that doesn't really make a lot of sense without When Love is Lost. And it's not nearly as meaningful. And the story of redemption, I think, loses something without having that first version where you have that great scene where Michael Caine's broken down. And it's also a contrast of his young self with his current self. Mm -hmm. I just think there's, a, yeah, not a great song, but there's a lot of important stuff in that scene. That it definitely helps the movie move along. Like I said, it's kind of like redemption-y because you see that he was a real human at one point. I almost feel like it is less of that because he is terrible in that scene. His yes. past self. It's his older self reacting to it that yeah. I get more from because we get to see that he has regrets. And although his young self was 
not conflicted at all. Mm -hmm. His young self was like, yeah, I don't need this. I need to make more money. But now we get to see the repercussions of that because his older self thinks he made the wrong choice. Clearly regrets his choices based Mm -hmm. on uh, Michael Caine's reaction. Yeah. So I think that's the important stuff more. I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Are you a fan of just the moral of A Christmas Story as a whole? I like it. I think it's it's a nice story that I like it because it's like it's a nice story that has kind of a heartwarming ending. So it feels kind of appropriate for the holidays. Right. I feel like it would be very hard. I'm sure there is one coming out this year. <laughs> I feel like it would be very hard to do a Christmas Carol now. Yes, like a like a an adult Christmas Carol with like Hallmark stars. Sure, yeah, because <laughs> the idea that all we need is for rich people to donate a little more money at Christmas time is, of course, like overly simplistic. Yes. And I don't think it's entirely representative of what Dickens says in a lot of his work. Have you ever read any other Dickens? I haven't. Like, if you check out Bleak House, it more addresses the fact that uh, poverty is a societal concern and not just like this rich man's burden. It's up to yeah. me to donate. Oh, who was it? I don't know. I'm not good at quotes off the top of my head. But I think Oscar Wilde talked about how charity is poverty's best friend or something like that. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but (laughs) that charity is is great. And when I talk about how, uh, because I often talk about how people are poor and they need help, people often like, well, why don't you donate some money? It's like, yeah, I do, but... We need more systematic change for it to be actually effectual, not just some guy giving a few dollars here and there. And also the idea in this movie that if rich people saw how poor people lived, they would suddenly become more generous. That's not believable today because rich people are very aware of how poor people live and they don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a bummer that when you watch this movie, you're like, yeah, but that's... It's not real life. That in this movie about a uh, frog and a pig and Michael Caine, (laughs) the most unrealistic part is that wealthy people would give money to poor people if they just saw how difficult their lives were. Yeah, that's very true. And that's why, like, I don't know that those, like, sad orphan, like, the sad orphan advertisements don't really work oh like the sarah mclaughlin ones that she does puppies uh like it's just kind of not as effective i think sure you could give a dollar a day or you could stop bombing the fuck out of them uh yeah we could just like <laughs> fix the military and uh just allow people to live in peace let's um get back into heartwarming stuff like <laughs> a christmas carol so overall where do you end up on the Muppet Christmas Carol? I think I loved it. Really? Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it was just like it was a nice way to kind of kick off the season of Christmasing. Yeah, and it walks that line of being light and fun and accessible and something you could just throw on and watch, mm-hmm. but still serious enough to be good. It's not just silliness, right? Yeah, exactly. And I I love I said it three times now just the balance between Muppets and this classic story just kind of made it fun to watch Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen 
I think I've seen the like live version of the Christmas Carol. So if you live in Edmonton, you know that the Citadel does like 17 weeks of a Christmas Carol every year. I saw them building the set from across the street this week. (laughs) I was actually wondering if they were going to do it this year. I've seen it. They're building something in there. I've seen it, I think, twice there. And like, I don't know. It just. It's boring. What more can you do? You need something exactly. different. Like, it's so overdone. You need Gonzo. That the addition of Muppets actually kind of revived my opinion of this story. And I think it is a very good story. So I love it. That's awesome. What about you? Do you still love it? I do. And I think that it's still so beloved because of that balance. Yeah. And because that this movie doesn't have any cynicism to mm-hmm. it. And if you have movies that are both for children and for adults, Mm -hmm. you tend to have, like, the sappy stuff for the kids. But then it's like, yeah, but that's dumb, right, guys? (laughs) Yeah. it has that cynicism Yeah, they diminish the, like... There's none of that in in any Muppet stuff. And it doesn't get too sappy because all of that is undercut with, like, a really great sense of humor at least i think it's great because it's kind of my sense of humor a lot of the time it really is your sense of humor and then in the end like after all of that it's still trying its best to teach children a good lesson of just like be kind that's all it's really trying to do and i think it's pretty effective at uh, at doing that and i think that a christmas carol and the muppets are an amazing fit together yes for the reasons we talked about, about how it can balance it and how it like breathes new life into a story that we all know. And also because they're kind of analogous to each other for their time periods. Like A Christmas Carol is a story that inexplicably works. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Like it's a book in the form of a fairy tale, but with the content of like a bleak socialist treatise on economic policy. Like, those two things shouldn't go together. Yeah, that shouldn't be a fun watch. It's super sappy with, like, Tiny Tim. Like, there's a kid with who they call Tiny Tim who has crutches and you're meant to feel bad for him. It's, Does he have it's, polio? I don't know if it's ever addressed. Okay. I'm not sure what he has. I thought maybe it was in the book, but... Maybe, I don't recall. Yeah, me neither. But it's it's very typical of, yeah. like, feel bad for this boy. His name is Tiny Tim. He coughs pathetically. And it's so sad when he does, when it it's does. Robin doing it. Um, but also, it has that for kids to, like, let you know that, oh, feel sorry for them. But then it also deals with abject poverty and living a life of regrets. It's dissonant in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. And then there's ghosts and straight up horror in it. <laughs> yeah. It's not something that should work, but people love it. Then you get the Muppets who walk this line between childhood and adulthood. They appeal equally to both, I'd say. There's no cynicism to them. And then they're also just weird creatures made out of felt. But then they're also sharp and witty and meta and referential. It shouldn't work. Yeah, true. But it does. Both of these things are things from their time that work despite their dissonant elements they somehow bring all this really weird stuff together and it's hard to explain like oh no but it's good despite all these things yeah it just is and i think that makes it sound like you don't like it right like it's good even though they do this yeah they do all these very weird things both a christmas carol and the muppets and so that's why and they're both good Mm -hmm. in their own ways and that's why i think bringing them together makes for just like a, a great movie true 
Yeah, I uh, I think everyone should see this at least once a year. Oh, is it going to be like a, a standard in the rotation now? Maybe. I I just I just really enjoyed it. And like you said, the Muppets, they're subdued. They're not over the top. There's no one running around like screaming. Well, there is. But I mean like... like Miss <laughs> Light the candle, not the rat. Yeah, like Miss Piggy is... I, I am I'm not sh- a huge Miss Piggy fan, actually. So I don't like Miss Piggy, but I liked her in this. Yeah. Because she was subdued and she wasn't like... Like she usually is. And she's also saying what the audience wants to say to Scrooge. Yeah. So I like that too. Yeah. The only time she's kind of over the top is when she wants to go fight him in the street. Yeah. Which but like, I kind yeah, of did too. We all did. Yeah. But usually Miss Piggy is like over the top for no reason. Yeah. And she's kind of abusive to Kermie. Yeah. Poor baby Kermie. Oh, one other side thing before we go. If you have the DVD, listen to the commentary because it's by the Muppets. And Is it? Of course, they're like in character. They don't break <gasps> character. Oh my God, that's amazing. And it's it's very funny. And they, oh, I wish I could remember some of the jokes, but I remember one thing I heard was that uh, Kermit says that Michael Caine taught him the best lesson he learned as an actor. And that was never blink. <laughs> <laughs> Does Michael Caine not blink? No, Kermit doesn't. Oh, Kermit doesn't. That's the joke. Got <laughs> he it. doesn't have... Got it. <laughs> He's I just like, ping pong balls up there. Apparently, it went over my head. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of really fun jokes in it. Oh, I bet. And they talk about making it. And of course, they talk about being actors in this movie. Right, because they're so-and-so they are playing Kermit playing. Fully developed yeah. people, all of these Muppets. Yeah. Maybe we'll do more Muppet stuff going forward. Yeah, it was fun. It was. I'm glad you enjoyed this one. <laughs> well, we better take a moment to talk about the second sponsor of our episode. Uh, today's second sponsor is Taproot Edmonton, which publishes curiosity-driven stories, topical newsletters, and locally-focused podcasts, all in the service of informing Edmontonians about their community. Some of the newsletters and podcasts that you can sign up for are The Pulse, which is a daily news briefing, a general roundup, which is a weekly newsletter delivered straight into your inbox, which has food, tech, health, innovation, arts, regional news, and business. And there is an arts roundup, a business roundup, a food roundup, a health innovation roundup, and a tech roundup that is kind of a deeper dive into what you would get in your general roundup. So if you are interested in subscribing to any of these, you can go to taprootedmonton.ca. That's taprootedmonton.ca. And you can sign up for one or all or just the general version of these roundups, which sound very informative. Well, uh. I'm so glad that we both loved this movie because we haven't had a double love in a while. Um, and yeah, because you really dropped the ball on a bunch of them. Sorry. <laughs> you haven't loved any of them, though. You hated yours and you hated mine yeah. recently. So. Yeah, you're right. I'll try to be better. <laughs> I'll try to pick better stuff. Um, so next week, we will be coming back when I reveal to Indy what my Christmas 
movie is, and we do something a little different with our picks of the week. We might do some Christmas songs and such next week. Yeah. So so come back for that. If you have a favorite Christmas song, you can send it in to us and uh, just let us know what, what song really opens your Christmas season for you. What's that first Christmas song you listen to every year? What's yours? Uh, you'll have to tune in next time to find out. Oh, what a what a great pitch. <laughs> and also, I wonder if this episode will, because it's so Christmassy, but thanks to Japan. We get a lot of listens in Japan. Oh. Our listens everywhere have been falling off in the last while, but Japan keeping it strong. It's all that international travel you did. You... Well, I wonder if it's the five friends I have in Japan or just strangers. Strangers? They yeah. never talked to me about it, so I think it's just strangers. Oh, that's nice, though. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, we'll see you next week. Bye. Sayonara. That's why we should have like a Patreon and then we can charge people money to watch us podcast. Who's going to pay money for anything we do? My mom. Would she? Eric. (laughs) They pay us in form of dinner. Which is all I'd use the money for anyway. Really? It's, it's... People are like, why would I give Indy money? He's just going to waste it all on food. <laughs>